Johnny Welsh has worked as a professional bartender in Frisco, Colorado for over 20 years. He did so well at Syracuse University that they kept him an extra year. I'm going to ask you about that. That's an interesting uh, statement. <laughs> After five years of university study, he earned a degree in Italian language, literature, and culture, which has been a great prerequisite for a lifelong career in the mixology arts. He can now recount funny bar stories in two different languages, and he has mastered twisting these topics into books. We are in for a treat and a laugh today. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger and now welcoming the host of the show here's carol graham johnny welsh is the author of multiple award-winning paper maps no apps an unplugged travel adventure his first book weed galized in Colorado about the legalization of marijuana in Colorado won two awards from Reader's Favorite. What interesting topics. Welcome Johnny. Thank you Kyle. I'm so happy to be here. Sounds like fun already. <laughs> oh absolutely. This and, and such diverse topics. This is really going to be interesting. All right so the first question I want to ask you here and that is are we losing the magic of in-person social interaction due to the overuse of smart technology? I know that you can answer that from first-hand experience, so go for it. Oh, thank you, Carol. Yeah, you know, it's, it's sad to see, and I hope we're not going down that path, but I see less interaction with uh, the travelers that come to the state of Colorado, the travelers, the guests, the tourists. They come in and they sit at the bar in our restaurant. And usually someone that sits at the bar in a restaurant setting, they wanna have interaction normally. That's why they sit at the bar and not at a table. It's two different dynamics. So I see okay. now people at the at the bar not really interacting like, like they used to. Like, hey, what'd you, what did you find in this cool town? Did you find a good restaurant? Was there a good ski resort that you preferred over a different one? Is there any hikes that I should make sure I don't miss? Like that kind of interaction. They, they come down to the restaurant and the bar and they sit down and they bring their phones out like almost automatic. They come out, their phones go out and they're glued. And they don't even look up to look at the menu or order a drink or anything. I have to like interrupt them. Excuse me. Hey, you know, are you thirsty? You want something to drink? And uh, it takes a while sometimes to get their attention. And that, that also, I don't know, it's just a, it's a, it's a relatively new a dynamic in a, in a restaurant setting to see that happening the past few years. And I hope we're not losing that magic of the, the reason why 
I think people will travel is to experience those the neighborhoods, the locals, and get the feel for the area. You know, because you're not in your hometown anymore. You want to hear different things. You want to talk to the the bartender or the server or the barber, the hairstylist, the realtor, anybody in that town. You want to learn firsthand, like what what makes their town so special. What's what is there to do and see and fun to have. I hope it doesn't go away. Interesting point here is I think some of that, not all of it, but some of it has to do with personality. Like I'm the type of person I walk into a room and I basically go around to every table and say hello. What I'm saying is different personalities have different ways but what you are saying that this is general now where people are more into just by themselves so why did that happen well i think that the advances in technology and the uh the advent of the smartphone which uh debuted in 2007 along with a lot of those other um new new sites we have on the internet like, like facebook came around about that same time and so did airbnb and twitter a lot of those social media platforms were launched around that same time as well as the the, the iphone and that technology the power of a laptop or desktop in the palm of your hand and it's so convenient and so easy it's very useful and it's fun and i do use mine all the time but i'm trying to set aside you know like just like barriers of when i shouldn't do it and that's when I'm interacting. Like even if it's something as little as going to the bank in my routine or the post office and you're waiting in line. As soon as you get up to the, the teller or the person working the desk, you know, put that away. Someone's standing in front of you waiting to interact with you. And I see that in a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, establishments where they, the person behind there is almost just like secondary to what's going on on your phone. And I just think that's just not as acceptable as people like to think it is. I agree. We have a policy in our home, and we have since the kids were little, and that is we're having dinner together, we're sitting down, and we're talking. So what you are describing, I think, may even be a result of that not happening in the home anymore. True. Yeah, I believe that as well. And it's it, the technology is so powerful. It grabs our attention, and it is designed that way. In my book, Paper Maps, No Apps, the first uh, couple of chapters, I actually do a lot of research into the topic before I go into the humor aspect of it because the whole topic uh, came about was my girlfriend and I taking a 17-day road trip and we decided, decided to dare each other, right? Dare you to unplug the whole time and use paper maps and it was kind of a joke at first. And we actually named the trip, jokingly, Paper Maps No Apps. And we had no idea how that would play out or how it would affect people on our road trip and it did. And that is what inspired the book. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later in the show. But getting back to the original question that I asked you and taking it one step further, and that is compounding, which you kind of touched on already, but compounding this issue with social distancing and even more with kids, even very young children. How do you think this, what do you have have you observed and how it is affecting or could affect this and the future generations? Well, what I have noticed is that it is become more acceptable to get ahead and just be on your phone all the time because we're so used to doing that from the great lockdown. And we needed it then. It was important to stay in touch with people and that was so helpful, so beneficial. I made some funny videos up during that time. I even wrote another book during that time during lockdown about toilet paper. <laughs> But I just yeah, think that I saw it's, that. It's, it's, I saw that. What, yeah. what's that. Stop for a second. And tell us what that's about. Okay, it's it's a it's a it's a comedy again, a comedy on scarcity mentality and people having to hoard toilet paper. So I call it a toilet paper crisis, and wipe away those fears. So there's 
about 20 innovative ways to take care of yourself okay. from the bottom up should you run out of toilet paper. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and is it short little quirks or is it written like a story? No, or? It's, no, it's very short. It's some fun research into the topic and the history of TP and – and uh, it's more of a novelty item. I, I actually wrote that during lockdown to to spread a little humor during those dark times. And I probably shouldn't use the word spread and TP in the same sentence. <laughs> Are you old enough to remember colored toilet paper? I mean, I'm old enough to remember that, I believe. I don't recall until they had colors before. We had uh, so many colors and there were stripes and polka dots and they would go with, you know, they were expensive and they would go with whatever your bathroom decor was, right? All of a sudden that disappeared. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I had interrupted you. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the social distancing issue before we move on and how it's affecting this generation? I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say what the social distancing is doing because I kind of feel like the social media itself is a form of social distance because you don't have to be near someone to be interactive. It's almost, you know, it's almost like counterproductive to being social. And I, and that's why I think that at a bar or a restaurant or even any establishment that you do go out to physically, I believe that the physical so- social interaction is so vital. It's so, I mean, it's even, I don't want to say rewarding, but it's, there's, there's benefits to it that we don't even know yet. Now, here's a question I'll throw at you that I don't, I wonder if you've been asked this before, and that is, do you think that part of the whole scenario within the bar, like you were talking and how people are no longer interacting like they used to, but they interact more with their phone, is an issue of fear versus safe? There's certain issues you don't want to talk to your person that you've never met before who may be sitting next to you. You know, there's so many political issues and social issues now. Do you think that has driven people more to seclude themselves rather than interact i do actually i believe it also as it started off initially about two years ago and then prior to that as almost like an awkwardness and i noticed that people on an elevator they get you know awkward they feel a little uncomfortable they pull the phone out automatically and that's like their comfort zone their, their blanket so to speak as was it linus from charlie brown <laughs> the comfort blanket the comfort of that insecurity and you mentioned the the polarizing, that's been the past year and a half, I think, that's been really bad. Right, right. And I do believe there could, yeah, there could be a little bit of a fear now. Like, what topics can we even bring up anymore without having to watch what you say and not get someone in a heated debate or a heated argument? Because there's a lot of emotions. And, you know, and every sign is justifiable for what they want to talk about. But it doesn't seem like there's a common ground to actually communicate those anymore without there being a confrontation. But, you know, people are getting bolder or can be bolder because of the position that they choose to take now that's a little contrary to what you had just said so how do you feel about that people being bolder i it seems to be more prevalent now online where you can hide behind an email you can hide behind a text and say whatever you want with you know because you're you're removed from the actual situation you're not even there you can voice your opinion which i mean everyone's entitled to have their own opinion but I think there needs to be a little bit of tact with that. Very well stated. Give us some fascinating moments. This is what your book addressed as well. How you've taken some of those and put them into your book format. Well, I, I see those moments nightly anymore. And it's actually, it's fun. It's entertaining. And what I do with my book topics is I, whenever a topic would be um, 
the current come up all the time at the bar. And it's more of like a social setting. It's like a pulpit, kind of like cheers. And everyone at the bar kind of chimes in and talks oh, about yeah. it. And okay. they, yeah, you have like a little dash of humor on one side, a splash of wine over there. And next thing you know, it goes off on tangents. And the humor would escalate at that point. So everyone's getting along and having a good time. I used to love that. That was so much fun. And the topic, the first topic was the legalization of marijuana. That came up almost nightly when really? it was first happening. Yeah, when it was first happening, right around the time of the vote and just passed when the vote happened. Uh, yeah, like there'd be people at the bar talking about it and asking me, hey, what's, what's up with the pot shops? Where can we go? And they would look over their shoulders as they'd ask me, like it was like, still against the law. It was kind of funny. And I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent to the whole legalization. I, I used to serve alcohol for a living, so I had right, bigger fish to right. fry. So I didn't like carry the way, but there would be people at the bar, like from like older couple. I wouldn't even expect an elderly couple coming in, like, yeah, we're we're pot tourists. We we want to know what to see and do, and, <laughs> and more importantly, where to go to eat. <laughs> Which was so much fun. And then I remember that same night there was a a gentleman by himself in a very expensive business suit. He looked, looked over, raised his hand in the air, and was like, Yeah, you know what? I invested in marijuana stocks and my portfolio tripled. And everyone was like, what? Really? So these crazy, crazy, yeah, crazy situations that would happen. And we would have fun with it. And we would also, you know, talk about the actual, the real, real realization that it is happening and what that meant for people. So it was like some serious talk, some research, some facts, but overall, an, an, an air of humor about the whole thing so you could actually have a communication about the topic and not, because it is still taboo for some people. And I understand that and I respect that. But I think if you if you have a little bit of humor introduced to the topic, you can actually have a conversation about it where both sides can you know gain from that. Now, in your book, do you show the upside and the downside? Have you have you seen that in your community in in your community? Well, it's it's really hard to um, to quantify uh, a bad side to it because it's always been there. You know, it's not like it's a new element that was introduced right. into Colorado. In my opinion, as a bartender, now speaking as a bartender only. This was about maybe five or six years ago. The population started to increase dramatically in Colorado. And some folks would say that it's because of that, because there's a lot of investors coming to the state, which actually created a lot of jobs, which then again creates more of a population, which makes more tourism, whatever. It used to be a very rural state and it's getting more populated and even more so the past couple of years. So people would say the downside back then was bringing too many people to our little state, as what they would say, you know, with their hands in quotes. The homelessness issue, they said, increased. Uh, petty crime, they said, increased. But then again, the plus side, which I kind of alluded to, was the fact that a lot of jobs were created because of that. Uh, the vote was in 20, 2012. It was when okay. the vote uh, passed. And it took two years to get through all the red tape to actually go live with recreational sales in 2014. And we were the very first state to do that. Even though Washington voted the same year and legalized the same year, they didn't go live with their sales till about six or seven months after Colorado did. Are all states legalized now? No, they are not. And it's actually hard to keep up with how many keep passing the vote. There is, I believe, at least... 20 now. I actually haven't been able to keep up with it because there's been so many other topics and issues, as we all know, in today's day and age to keep up with. <laughs> exactly. I want to talk to you about your books, and we're going to, I know we touched on a little bit, but I want to get a little deeper into them. So what we're going to do is sure. we're going to take a short 30-second break, and when we come back, we want to hear more. So we'll be right back. 
Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. Did you get this idea of writing books on both of these subjects that you are sharing today? And why did you think people would be interested? Well, the ideas came from uh, the restaurant setting and the topics coming up at the bar. And But my, my idea for being an author started when I was a little kid. I was always known as a storyteller. And when I was a little kid, he used to tease me and call me Walter Mitty because he was the guy that always imagined things would happen throughout the day and then just tell people the stories. That's oh, what right. I did. I was a storyteller. Yeah, and I used to hate it. They would tease me and I would cry. But hey, guess what? It's actually worked to my advantage now. <laughs> but I love telling stories, and I think that's kind of the fun aspect of traveling to other countries, other um, towns, and traveling is you find someone who is one of those storytellers. And it could be in any industry. You can find them anywhere. And I like to stop and listen to them when, when that happens. And I would put those. I wrote them down one time about the topics that were happening at the bar. And before I knew it, I had enough content. I'm like, man, I should really look into seeing what publishing this would take. And there you went. <laughs> now, what what's in your future as far as being an author? And aren't you involved too with helping other authors? I have been, and that's been that's been so rewarding because when I actually get to tell somebody just the beauty of it and, and the fulfillment of actually having that first book. If people dream of writing, having that in your hands, that moment, and, and people who are other authors who have kids as well say they can they can relate that to holding their kid in their hand, the baby in their hand, because they you know they take longer than nine months a book, but it's a process that requires a lot of planning, as would I, I, would, I would imagine parenthood would. You know, I've been a part of the three books I wrote myself. I've been a part of three other books with collaborative efforts. Actually, the, the latest one, Habits of Success is hit the USA Today bestseller list and the Wall oh, Street wow. Journal bestseller list. I can't believe it. Yeah. What's that one about? And now, that's a, it's a, it's a collaborative effort, a bunch of authors together, and we all gave our input to what habits of success means to us. And our advice, and each, each author took a different spin on that. So it's about 15 to 20 different tips from different perspectives having to do with habits of success. So very successful book, very fun read. And uh, I was part of that. I was part of another one with the Colorado Authors League called Prompts for Young Writers. And that, the authors, we volunteered our time and efforts and put it out for free so that home school, the home teachers could have more resources at their fingertips to teach their children. And it goes from K through four and five to eight and then high school and a little bit after like writing prompts to, to trigger creative juices flowing for kids to be a creative writers. That was a fun book to do. And since then, I've had people come up and ask me, like, what do I do? Where do I start? And it's there's not a real uh, plain like cut and dry answer to that because it depends on where you are in the process. 
And I love helping people get started and showing them where to go and what to do. And I point them in the right direction. And if it really resonates with me and I like it, I can actually put it under my my publishing company, which I had, which I started my first book. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you think that writers are born or created? You know, I, I, I think both. I think it's either it's innate inside you and it comes out naturally or you can actually prime the well, so to speak, and you can make it happen. Because I do believe that everyone has a story in them, possible for those who really do have that on their list of things to do as, a, as, as a, maybe a passion in their lives, that it is possible to do that. And it's actually getting easier and easier with today's technology. Just uh, for our audience's sake, could you just give us maybe three or four prompts just to get them thinking along these lines? The creative writing prompts. <laughs> well... I'm a nonfiction. I'm a nonfiction writer. So one of the ones that I always, I, I fascinated about doing was um, the the front door is closed and it's dark out, and as soon as you open the door, the first thing you hear from the inside is you need to leave now. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, so somebody could take that and spin that yes. idea. And there's others that I'm actually kind of working on right now. That I, I don't want to divulge right now. But there's a lot of fun to have with creative prompts. And you can, you can you can Google them. And there's a lot of other books out there that have them in there. But they're, they're fun to work with, even for small projects as well. Now, one of the things you said, you talked about humor being a coping mechanism. I think everybody believes that to be a statement of fact. Many people do not know how to make humor a part of their lives when they're going through whatever they happen to be going through, even as we all are now in the pandemic. Could you expound yeah. on that a little bit? Yeah, I, yeah humor, I believe, is, is essential, even more so today than ever before. And I don't know, it's, it's always been with me, even when I was like a kid growing up in school, I was always in trouble for making the noises during the film playing and I got class clown in eighth grade, and I got it again in senior year in high school, which my mom was very upset about. She said, that looked great on your resume, and she would stamp her foot on the ground with her, her hands on her sides, you know. And I would laugh at that, and actually it's working out well now because I write humor. <laughs> but <laughs> especially for a bartender to have that, too. It's Most bartenders have a good sense of humor, I, I, I hope, anyway. In today's day and age, it's more important to really take a step back Take a deep breath, lower your shoulders, and make make fun of your situation. Just have a light, a light sense of humor about your situation, about our situation as human beings, and not be. I mean, today's like the day of being offended too. The age of being offended. Oh my goodness! Don't be so yes. All the time. Take a deep breath, relax. Some things when you can relate. Hey, I, we do do this. We acknowledge it. We admit it. We're at fault. Where we can be, you know, asinine and silly sometimes. So laugh at that. It's okay, you know. It's, and it's okay not to be offended all the time. I mean, I saw a T-shirt saying uh, last week in the restaurant, "I'm offended that you're offended." <laughs> yes, exactly. That's a perfect one, right? So we get banned <laughs> at some point, and. I'd like you to address this and how what you went through as well regarding how you had to change your career. Maybe was forced into that. So tell us a little bit about that and what steps you have taken to move in a different direction. Well, the changing of my career, I had always planned on doing anyway. You know, the eventual change from bartending into uh, real estate investing. I used to dabble in that, you know, 10 years ago as a bartender. I had some good success. But I love doing it. I would find a property that needed a little bit of a sprucing up, and I would, I would live there. 
I work on it as I live there and you know, recreate and redesign open space, whatever. And I liked that. It was very rewarding. And I, and I, I didn't make a killing off of it. I made enough that would cover the cost of, you know, the effort I put into it. And it was fun. I, was, I loved doing that. So the transition from bartending to real estate, I plan on doing two years from now. And bartending has changed. And during the pandemic, with the reduced tables in the restaurant and having to do everything else in an entirely different way, we all adapted and changed and we all made it happen. It just, I don't know, it didn't seem as fun anymore. And, and now, now that we're full capacity again, it's just, and we have, we have very little staff to help us at all. It's overwhelming. Okay, it's, it's, it's almost I, I hate I've heard other bartenders say this not my words other bartenders a lot of them it's just not as fun anymore with changes that we're now living in affecting the bar industry in the last couple of years did you change careers I did uh, my original plan was to uh, go into real estate and I actually entered into that uh, sooner than I expected due to the whole pandemic and I've been doing that now for a solid year and I'm loving it. It's a great new industry for me. And it's just like bartending. It's all, it's people-based. It's based on relationships and finding someone what they really want and finding them the home they want to be in. And I don't know, it's almost like a perfect fit for me going from bartending, which is a people part, people business, into real estate. I love the people business. So exactly. I'm kind of liking that. Yes, definitely. And do you think that's where you'll stay? Other than being I an do. author? Yes, I do believe I'll stay in the real estate and continue writing as well. So now to summarize, give us a little bit uh, of a summary of your books and what you would like to share and who should buy them. The books. All right. Well, the first book was about the legalization of marijuana and all the crazy and fascinating stories that happened with that whole that whole era. It was an unprecedented time. In, uh, in our state, Colorado, and in the nation as well. The, the, the pros, the cons, the, the emotions that went with that. I interviewed a lot of the people who brought businesses to Colorado because they were the trailblazers, not only in Colorado, if you think about it, for the nation because we were the first state. So that was kind of cool to hear their background, their passion, and what they plan on doing within the industry. The next book that I had written was uh, Paper Maps, No Apps, an unplugged travel adventure, and that was inspired while bartending when I saw a family of four come in and mom, dad, son, daughter spent the whole entire dinner on their phones. So wow. I, you know, I wanted to do a, a, a break myself from my own habits and my girlfriend and I, which is my wife now, because we listen to each other more because we're on our <laughs> smartphones. It's, yeah, see, it's communication tough these days and, and we're doing better with it now by listening Instead of, you know, texting, scrolling, shopping, tagging, poking, you name it. <laughs> There's so much you can do on those anymore. Good point. That book was uh, about a, it was a travel adventure, 17 days on the road, and a dare to unplug. And the people we met and the situations we got into are just mind-blowing. And the third book that I wrote was called Toilet Paper Crisis, Wipe Away Those Fears. And I wrote that during lockdown, like I said before, to just to share a little humor during those dark times. And I have more uh, bar topics and more um, mini books coming out. It's a mini series of all uh, funny bar observations. Like I said, he had, he had a dash of humor on the one side, a splash of wine on that one. And before you know it, it becomes a book. I like to do a little research, too, on those topics to actually build the topic up and then break it down with humor. Oh, that sounds great. Well, thank you for sharing those synopsis of your books. They both they all sound great. And also, we're looking forward to what else you're going to have. Good. All of those links will be on your show notes along with everything else and things that you shared today. And people can connect with you and read your books and have a smile 
and I so appreciate what you shared. Is there anything in summary that you would like to add? Carol, I want to thank you so much. It's been a great time. Uh, my updates can be found on johnnywelsh.com and my future books and some snippets of the old books are on there. And it was great being here. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for that. And I thank you for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.